Would it interest you to know that I'm married, Mr. Garibaldi? That I have a five-year-old daughter? That on Sundays when I'm back home, we pack a picnic lunch and go out under the dome on Syria Planum and watch the stars come out? Hardly the description of a monster. You're getting good at this. Keep working on it. One of these days, I might even be convinced that you're human. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast a part of the front row network and npr illinois community voices we are a group of newbies and first ones who are either watching the show all the way through for the first time or who have watched the show far too many times and are now watching it with our newbies i am scott and with me as always is justin emily nicole jesse andrew john kevin and Mike. So before we get started talking about a race through dark places, a big thank you to everyone who has joined us on YouTube. We have gained so many subscribers over the past few weeks. We really do appreciate it. And we want to get more. So we did a, we had a really good feedback with the John Sheridan action figure giveaway and Rosemary got her figure shipped to her earlier this week. And so now we're going to go ahead and do another one. And this one is going to be for all the folks who don't want to use iTunes. If you go into our YouTube account, which is linked down below, and subscribe, and if you've already subscribed, you're going to be already entered into this, so you don't have to worry about that. I have a Mint Inbox Kosh action figure that I will ship out to you. And that will be to one of our subscribers. And one of you who subscribe or have already subscribed will get shipped that Kosh action figure. Along with that, thank you to everyone who is leaving us reviews. We got another review in from Steve Hill in the United Kingdom. The grade 17 team are amazing. I've been a fan of B5 since near the beginning, though being in the UK, I came to it slightly later. Listening to this podcast reminds me why I fell in love with the show all those years ago and why I'm still a fan today. It's so much fun listening to the newbies picking up threads that I already know are going to be big stories later on, and even more so when they spot something that I missed. Hearing all the backstory stuff from the veterans that I've never explored is also cool. Caveat, I'm only up to survivors so far, apart from having listened to the Peter Jurassic interview, which is what caught my attention in the first place. I will be catching up eventually. Thanks, Steve. And Steve makes a good point. We had a question asked if... Instead of for our Patreons uh, going in and uh, providing questions beforehand, if you are a member of Patreon, which again, you can see the link down below and join either in the probe category or the producer category, you can actually now send us in feedback after the episode and we will play it on the show as well too. And for our Patreons who are already with us, uh, you know who you are. You can be sitting in those voicemails as well too. So that's a great way for people like Steve who want to kind of give us follow-up of what they may have um found because the newbies found it as opposed to watching it before along with the patreon you can also join us on twitter facebook and instagram all the links are down below we are also selling merch which is linked down below and again i have the uh, in the down below links 
links to where you can find Babylon 5 since it's no longer an HBO Max. If you're looking to get copies of it that aren't DVD, I've got a couple of links down below. We have heard some news that HBO Max or Warner Brothers just sold a whole lot of TV shows to Tubi and to Roku. I'm going to guess Babylon 5 is going to pop up on Tubi or Roku very soon. So until then, you're going to have to pay for it. Let's go ahead and dive into A Race Through Dark Places, and I believe Jesse has a synopsis for us. Buggle up, folks. Psychor's back with their normal bullshit. Psychor learns information regarding an underground railroad for rogue telepaths. Besta returns to Babylon 5 in an attempt to eradicate the under, Underground Railroad. The telepaths banded together along with Talia to fool Besta with an illusion and set him back to his home base. Um, we learn Talia gained a valuable gift from Jason Ironheart, making her thoughts undetectable to other telepaths. Thank you, Jesse. Let's go into our first impressions. And let's go to Justin first. First impressions on A Race Through Dark Places. So honestly, I want to know what John thinks of this episode, because he has been saying for so long, he wants to know what the rogue telepaths are up to. And he has been hating on Dr. Franklin for so long. So that is my major thing is I want to know what John has to say. And then honestly, a shout out to my Battlestar Galactica friends. Abs of fracking lootly is going to be my new catchphrase. Love it. And then if Earnhardt's bar is ever a real thing, that is my will be my new favorite bar. Did anyone catch the Easter egg in Earnhardt's bar? They are starting to add uh, the ship logos for all the ships that come to Babylon 5 that we've met. So the Cortez, if you look on the wall, the Cortez, the Explorer ship, its logo is now in Earnhardt's. And oh, okay. if, you, if you keep watching, as we start seeing more um, named ships show up, they will be leaving, much like firehouses leave their patches, they'll be leaving their logos at Earhart's. <laughs> Little shit that you see when you watch the show way too many times. Emily! Let's just start with fuck Psycore. Like, seriously, um, I'm actually angry because I love Star Trek and I like Chekhov. And God, I hate Buster with so much, just so, so much. It's, it's actually painful. Um, but I was glad to see Dr. Franklin actually get a decent storyline where he's not a total creep. So I, I really appreciated that um, portion of the episode. I'm surprised that it took two newbies to mention that Bester's back. And also it took two newbies to say fuck Bester, which I appreciate. Uh, let's go to Nicole. First impressions. I was going to say, if you wanted to hear fuck Bester, you should have went to me first because <laughs> I still hate Bester. So this episode was... A lot. I felt like this was an emotional roller coaster with all of the different twists and turns it took. So I also loved the Absafrag and Lutley quote, but for a different reason. All my Sex in the City girls, you know that Mr. Big always says Absafucking and that's what it made me think of. So now I feel like Sheridan is Mr. Big. So uh, that's my new association for Sheridan is now he is Mr. Big to me. That like kickoff made my day of when I watched this episode. I was like, OK, Sheridan, I see you. But yeah, this was a great episode. I thought there was a lot of things going on. It was nice to see Franklin not be a total creeper. And he actually redeemed himself a little bit. I, I mean, he's still a perv, but I, I think he redeemed himself a bit in this episode. Um, and Talia, holy hell, man, you learned a lot about her in this episode, too. Um, so that was cool. And also, Elephant in the Room, what the hell is going on with Sheridan and Delin? Like, hello, 
I think they're going to smash, but that's just me. I was on like <laughs> my fiance was in the other room and he heard me going, oh, oh. And he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching the episode. Leave me alone. It's like big. So, yeah, I had a lot to say about this one. And it's like big. So leave me alone. Just going to let that one <laughs> dangle out there. <laughs> Pun intended. So now we've got BSG fans and maybe some Sex in the City fans. I'm going to guess more BSG fans than Sex in the City. Just just a hunch based on our audience. Jesse, first impressions. Yeah, I liked it. Didn't hate it. It was a good time. Dylan looked effing hot. That was probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Um, Besser sucks. And um, who's fucking surprised that Dr. Franklin was the head of the shenanigans? So, yeah. You know, I want to talk about that when we get past first impressions, because when you watch this show again, as I'm sure you all are going to love to do, this was telegraphed and we'll talk about it. Andrew, first impressions. Yeah, so I don't know what Race Through Dark Places you guys watched, but I thought it was great to see Bester back. Part of it does have to do with my love of Chekhov, but also thus far, probably my favorite, no, second favorite B5 villain next to Morden. I thought it was great to finally learned what Talia's gift was from Jason Ironheart. And yeah, Delenn in that dress. Wow. I'm loving the fact that Delenn's dress is getting called out, but we had, and this is JMS, I'm quoting him from the Usenets, we had Claudia Christian and something from Victoria's Secret, but we're talking about the Delenn dress more. Just throwing it out there. John, first impressions. You like what you like. Uh, Talia was in a robe too that Bester tried to creep on. He did his best uh, Franklin impression there, trying to call her, hit her up with that what you doing at two in the morning. I'm sorry, Justin. I did not really like this episode. I didn't hate it. I don't know. You know, our Facebook groups talked about it. We have talked about it. So I won't belabor the point about the order. But I think this episode for me personally suffered the most with the order that it was that I watched it in because it felt like this whole episode. I was just like, OK, I get it. Like we already know Psychor sucks. This could have been handled in like a B plot to another episode. And Justin, when you talk about the rogue telepaths, that was interesting. However, the way they did it felt clunky. We'll get into some of the specifics, but again, I didn't hate it. I just, I could have done without it. This is one I would probably skip in a rewatch. Did you all recognize the Lurker? I know. I did from Stargate. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, but I mean, did you recognize him from Babylon 5? No. Wow. Chrysalis. He was the Lurker who pointed Garibaldi at Devereaux, who, by the way, got Garibaldi shot because Devereaux was in front of him. Oh, no shit. Jack was behind him. Oh. Yeah, he went is. down to down below and talked to a lurker and said, you need to go find Devereaux. That's the same guy. Damn. Mike, first impressions. Yeah, this is an OK episode. I It didn't it doesn't blow me away um, based on the plot. because The whole telepath thing. Just I don't know. I'm not that interested in it, frankly. But what I will say is I was excited to see Bester come back because Walter Koenig is an amazing actor and his character is such a lovable dick bag that I love just I can't get enough of him. I actually thought the lurker uh, played by John and Loeffler. I thought he is actually a very good actor. Like his his performance has that weird cadence, almost Christopher Walken esque. Uh, you know, you love him for that kind of odd speech pattern. But like, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. He brought a really good sincerity and like intensity to the to the role. Definitely better than the average guest actor that they have on this show. Yes, I actually got a got a good chuckle out of the government trying to charge Sheridan and Ivanova rent for their extra seven square feet of room. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, this is like a, a five or six out of the 
six out of ten for me because it's just kind of a middling episode. But Mike, it's only thirty credits a month. <laughs> it's not the point. They, all, they also get a water shower. We learned that too, like four episodes ago. Kevin, first impressions. I like this episode. It definitely shows you a different side of Sheridan in this one that he he can he's got a, a a slight bit of a temper. Certainly, his manner is quite a bit different from Sinclair, and I think that shown through in this episode. Did anyone notice the uh, the psychop at the very beginning of the episode, played by uh, Judy Levitt? That uh, is was Walter Kinnig's uh, uh, wife, who unfortunately just recently passed away. So, didn't want want that to go on scene but uh as far as this episode goes i i thought the b plot was really was really a fun uh fun one with the uh the room rent and uh sheridan thinking he was being picked on as the new guy the uh the stuff with franklin finally you know franklin's got you know something to to do and so does talia in this episode and some uh some relationships uh evolving a little bit in this episode the stuff with uh with delenn uh is interesting so i i do kind of like this episode i'm glad that most of you like this episode because this is really where i think the season starts turning i mean it's no a sky full of stars or signs importance but we're starting to make that move i mean we've already kind of seen it you've had now three talia slash telepath episodes in a row so we've gotten more character growth for talia in the past three episodes than we ever have. And we're starting to see that some of the stuff being laid out is starting to come to fruition too. And a couple of you mentioned Bester, of course. I said this the first time we saw Bester, and I'll say it again. For me, when I think Walter Koenig, I don't think Chekhov. I mean, I love Star Trek, and I know him from Star Trek, but he gets so much more to do as Bester than he ever did as Chekhov, especially especially original series stuff, but even the movies, he doesn't get much to do. He gets to choose some scenery with Bester, and I love when he shows up. Yeah, Chekhov is typically like a sidekick character to mm -hmm. me, whereas Bester is like a major antagonist. When he shows up, the episode revolves around him. Villain. Yes, he is. But here's the thing. Is he? And uh, the Babylon 5 for the first time guys are going to hate me if they hear this. Bester will return. Shocker, I know. But we're going to start seeing... I know, I know. It's it's such a spoiler. We're going to start seeing, though, much like the best villains out there, he doesn't think he's a villain. And that's the best part. To him, he's not the villain. He's the hero. And it's so much fun to watch. Let's go ahead and break this sucker up and start talking first about our good buddy, Franklin, as well as Talia and Bester and the Underground Railroad. Where do you guys want to start? Can we be like Bester and say Underground Railroad like 37 times? When he came on the scene, he kept saying Underground Railroad. And I was like, dude, I think everyone gets it. An Underground Railroad. He just said it so many times it was noticeable. So let's start there. I tried not to say it like a hundred times in my synopsis and I couldn't, there was like no good way around it. I was like, I sound like a four-year-old right now. It's like what it sounded like somebody who had a, a, an assignment and they just read some Wikipedia yes. shit before. Hands down, exactly what I just did. So just, fuck off. <laughs> just start putting in UGRR every time. UGRR. You're done. Got it. You're good. I like it. So I mentioned already that this has been telegraphed. Remember the quality of mercy where we had... Mm the uh maureen from lost in space and what franklin was doing he started his down below medical um 
clinic. Mm-hmm. Now we know why he started the medical clinic. I mean, obviously he's trying to help people, but it was a front. Yeah, I, like I felt oh. like the whole Underground Railroad and Franklin thing kind of came out of nowhere. But at the same time, they did nicely tie it back to things that happened in previous episodes and kind of made it feel like they did it on purpose all along, even though maybe I'm not sure that they did. Well, I will say that this is a JMS written episode. So if he had the intent, I mean, he wrote the episode. Now, did he have the intent? (laughs) I'm sure if you ask him, he'll say, oh, yeah, sure I did. But no, we don't know. I do like the fact, though, that Franklin was doing this before he got to B5. This wasn't something that just like was spur of the moment. He knew his placement on B5 was going to be an asset. Nicole, what do you got? So a couple things. Um, Well, first off, obviously, Buster coming on the scene, you know, it's going to be a problem. Um, But before, you know, right when he gets there, he demands a meeting with like, you know, all the leaders and, you know, to discuss this issue or whatever. And I like the scene between Ivanova and Sheridan when they were talking about how, you know, we created our own monster regarding Psycor. And I thought that was a really pivotal um, scene because Sheridan was kind of pointing out we kind of brought this upon ourselves in a way and now it's gotten away from us kind of thing. So he knows that there's some shady shit going on. Um, And that was kind of his like proving that a point. I'm trying to, what's the word I'm trying to use? Um, That was him reinforcing that thought that he had. Um, And then Ivanova telling him, you know, there was an issue last time he was here. So you need to like read up on that and know who you're dealing with uh, because he's kind of a dick basically. Um, And then of course, every interaction with him, he was a dick. Um, I do like how Garibaldi gives him the business and gives him an attitude. Um, but I think the overall, just him coming onto the scene, just, I don't know about, I know a lot of you guys like him, but it just made me instantly angry. And I can't imagine like him disturbing the peace on the, you know, on Babylon five. So, um, that was just kind of a, a thing I noticed. And then, um, as far as the whole underground railroad thing, I actually didn't, think it was franklin at all again maybe that's just my being naive but i actually thought maybe talia had something to do with it that was kind of a surprise to me um isn't it good though that bester pisses you off isn't that the point yeah if he didn't piss you off he wouldn't be the character that he is right you're supposed to feel uncomfortable when he shows up much and i do yeah and of course we got the good play on that we're too where ivanova knows bester now but sheridan doesn't so she had to give him the you know the the heads up like this dude's a douche be aware. John. Yeah, I thought that actually the my favorite performances out of this were the, you know, Garibaldi and Ivanova um, throughout, you know, so Nicole, to your point, I thought Garibaldi's, you know, speech, if you want to call it that, whatever is um, rant about Psychor was again, great. Um, you know, Sheridan, obviously agreeing. I thought it was awesome. The Ivanova stuff, Nicole, you already mentioned and more uh, we could talk about later, but that end scene with her and Talia, that might've been my favorite scene, which I should have mentioned in in the beginning. Um, but, uh, I actually, I don't know, Nicole, I don't know if it's naivety, but I mean, I called it as Franklin mainly just because I was like, Oh, some shenanigans are up. Who would be my first suspect? It was funny that Garibaldi went to Ivanova for obvious reasons. Um, and then when it seemed like he stopped looking, I was like, what if he's not your number one, he should be your number two. But anyways, um, but with Bester, so I agree that like, the best villains are the ones you love to hate. So I, I do enjoy when they lean into it. I thought his temperament was different this episode than previously in mine were. So I had to um, go back and rewatch that because 
whether consciously or subconsciously, I blocked out a good chunk of season one. And that was one of them when they said Ironheart. And I was like, wait a second, that sounds vaguely familiar. But, and then, so I went back and rewatched that episode and the content, (laughs) what's that? He's becoming. (laughs) He became all over the place. He became. I think that was one. I think that was one I didn't record with us. I think I might've been out when I was looking at it. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. But yeah, his temperament was markedly different from the first time they showed up to how he, how he came in this time as well, which I don't know which one was creepier, which one was worse, right? When they first came in, he was quite strict and had that whole jackboot thing going on with his partner. Uh, this time it was more smarmy and like just gross and like, to your point, Scott, yes, I absolutely love uh, to hate him. Maybe it's an early question, but like, because I think Andrew had mentioned a gift. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Ironheart gave Talia two gifts, right? The ability to move stuff with her mind and the ability to block like people reading what to what Jesse said inside to block people from her mind. Yeah. And I don't know if it was to block people from her mind period, or if it was just to hide the other gift. So he gave her the gift, which is telekinesis. And he made it to where no one can know that she's telekinetic if they scan her. Okay. Oh, so it wasn't all that. That's kind of how I well, saw it. But too. it's kind of alluded to, and I don't know the answer based on this episode because the other lurker says you're blocking him. Can you block him? But she doesn't really answer, does she? So I don't know. And I definitely got the impression that she she, she got leveled up in general. Yeah. And that's, I, I will say, uh, and we actually, we kind of talked about this in Beyond the Rim on Mind War, and I think we can kind of bring it over here now that you guys got more telepath knowledge. We did talk about how absolutely Talia is at a higher level as a telepath than what she was when she started. We know that commercial telepaths are P5s. We know that, and I think I misspoke about this last episode, so I'm going to correct myself now. Instructors are P10s, and those are the instructors at PsyCorps. And then PsyCops, Bester, are P12s. We now know that Talia, based on that she could work over Bester a little bit, that she's probably higher than a P12, just because she has the ability to do that. A P5 could never have done that, and we kind of saw that in Mind War, where she had no control over what he was doing to her. That's now changed. So yeah, Mike, you're right. She absolutely has leveled up. How much? We don't know. Andrew, what do you got? Yeah, um, I think I just wanted more uh, clarification on something. A few times the the rogue telepaths would be chanting, Mary had a little lamb. So I just wanted to make sure I interpreted that as a like a mind scan blocker. Like they're focusing so hard. Is that, that's all it was? Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, it's actually something that... Uh, intelligence officers are trained to do too is not people people reading your minds but to focus in on one thing when you're being interrogated and that way you don't slip you just keep focusing on one thing whatever that thing is and that way no matter what somebody asks you you don't show any emotion you don't slip you just keep going so that's they're basically putting up a front yeah it's like the old trope of like repeating your name rank and serial number over and over same idea same idea yeah, they're just trying to keep him out of their head. But of course, by the way, those those bastards failed miserably. Like we go, we make sure he doesn't see us. Within three seconds, <laughs> Bester's like they're over there. Uh, did anyone else, or I guess I should say, any of the newbies, uh, uh, think that Talia momentarily had betrayed the tel- the other telepaths and sided with Bester? I'm glad uh-huh. you asked that, Andrew. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's just go through the real quick because I wanted to ask that same question. How many of you? were conned into thinking that Talia actually did blast all of them. Okay, well, th- this is an audio podcast. I did. So, yes. Jesse says yes. Nicole I says did. yes. I did. 
Justin says yes. I was so pissed when I thought that she <laughs> shot everybody. Like I was like, yeah, I, I honestly was like screaming, "What the fuck!" at the TV. In my notes, I wrote in all caps, "What the fuck, Tyler?" Yes. And then, but then immediately <laughs> followed up with, and then immediately followed up with, "Oh, never mind." Yeah, I wrote it down. I said, "OMG, WTF, Talia?" And then I, I highlighted like, it. Everyone I was notes. like. These all should go on the Patreon, by the way. Just I also, I said, I also said, WTF, the bitch shot everybody. Like, <laughs> John, you were the only one I didn't hear an answer for. Did you think she went? I did, yes. I, okay. So good. I mean, so it wasn't telegraphed. It's just like, oh, Talia's with Bester. The end. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just confused. Like, I didn't really think she would do it. So I was like, what the hell is this? Because I'm like, that that doesn't seem to track. I don't think she would side with Buster. I don't think she would kill people. I was like, I didn't buy it. I was just, I was confused as hell. I'm like, there's something not right about this. I bought it, but I was more there because I thought, how over the top, the take the gloves off, the grab a hand. I was like, boy, this is so, it was one of the but if that was the real thing, I'd have been like, this is maybe one of the worst things we've seen on that one so far. It's when she's like the Cora's mother, the Cora's father. I'm like, that's not her. That's not right. Her. That's somebody else. Like it, it. Yeah, it was weird. It's interesting, though, that Bester bought it. So you all as the audience members, for the most part, bought it. Bester bought it, too. So that says something about Bester as well. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I was going to totally point out the whole thing about how Bester came in with a very different demeanor in this episode. And, and I just wanted to, to wasn't, it wasn't subtly different. I mean, if you remember the first time that dude walked onto the station, he basically walked up to Sinclair and said, I'm going to go break some laws now. And I could do that. Cause I'm a cop. I'll see you later. Right. <laughs> like it's a little bad he here. was, he was really throwing his authority around like crazy. And then this time he had a very different approach where he was almost trying to sweet talk everybody. Uh, especially Talia, but I really kind of wondered if that had a lot to do with Sheridan and how he wanted to approach the new captain and come off differently. Oh, I was going to ask a second ago. So along the same lines of who was misled into thinking that Talia executed all those people, who else was bamboozled by thinking Ivanova was responsible for the Underground Railroad? Mm-hmm. Nobody no, else bought it. Seen a lot of shaking no. heads. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I, no. That doesn't seem like some, it seems like something she would do if she knew about it, but I didn't think she knew about it. I would see it almost like with Garibaldi ignoring when she was using Gold Channel to talk to her dad or try to communicate with the hospital. Same idea. She wouldn't shut it down, but she doesn't like being around telepaths at all. Right. Regardless if they're good or bad. I mean, right. she was so antsy with the uh, the one girl who got sent to Mimbar at the end of the episode at the beginning. She just she does not like telepaths. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're we're one for two then in this episode with the uh, misleads. Yeah, that's true. That's true, John. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to talk about the scene we got with all of the rogue telepaths basically sitting on Talia's couch as they came through and were telling their stories, which I just, so again, maybe I'll start in the nitpicking or I just thought I could have done without that. Again, with the episodes, I'm like, I get it. Psychor sucks. We have seen many examples. I understand what they're trying to do, right? Which is convert Talia. But we've, we, the viewers, have already seen her being converted already seen knows she knows the atrocities i mean hell the one woman story was basically talia's exact same story except she didn't go through with the breeding and so 
that's that's what I mean in my um, first reaction when I was like, this felt like this could have been a solid B instead of a much more forced A. It was it was stuff like that that I thought it's heavy handed. I didn't need it. Yeah, I I think you got uh, you and Mike as well because Mike said he's not really in the telepaths. I think you you represent. I don't know a percentage, but at least a good chunk of audience. Either you like the telepath stories or you don't. And if you do, I mean, there's a huge fandom. I mean, there are telepath novels just about Bester and the telepaths. But if you're not a big fan of that, then every time we get a telepath episode, I, I can see that. Well, Justice, I could, oh, go ahead. I could be a fan. I mean, to Justice's mm-hmm. point, I have talked about it. The how like having telepathic abilities and how societies manage that and deal with that i'm i'm in for that and that the story itself i'm into in as much as i get it they're devious how they handle mm-hmm. them the things they do cool this is what i was talking about the order it just felt like the third episode in a row where it's like i get it already you've already made this point narratively please stop let's do something else we finished 101 you want to move to 201 got it jesse what do you got i didn't hear a single story that any of the telepaths talked about like i tried to follow along and i stopped listening about halfway through kind of what talia did too didn't it (laughs) she was kind of like okay (laughs) yeah like she's got her own shit to deal with and like i like i get it brother terrible people right but what i wanted to go back to what mike had said and he said you know who who thought that avadava did it I don't know who I thought was ahead of it, but I was not in any way, shape or form surprised when it was Franklin at all. Like I was like, "Hmm, yep, that that's about par for the course. And like at first I was like, oh, this is bullshit. Like he's down here just like running amok. And then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, like back it up, psych horse shit. And like, this is, this is much needed and these people need help. And so I kind of like reeled it back in and I was like, but still doesn't surprise me that it was him at all. It fits with the character, right? We've talked about how yeah. this guy has a God complex. So he wants to fix the world, whether it's the right fix or not. Right. So he sees an injustice with telepaths. He's going to fix it. Right. Kevin. It also fits with him like hitchhiking and making those connections with different ships and using those skills to move, like transport people, I would think. Kevin. The other thing I wanted to ask was, did anyone call it when Franklin came in to talk to Sheridan about it the first time? I was curious whether anyone thought, oh, wait, it's Frank. It's got to be Franklin. Okay. Just curious. No. That whole thing is, yeah. is maybe the thing about this episode that bugs me the most, to be honest, because it felt, to me at least, very clunky. Like, from the minute he walked in and told Sheridan, like, um, yeah, the leader of the underground telepath railroad uh, came to me for some reason and, and told me his negotiation tactics i was like this is like the the kid going to his dad and being like oh my friend broke the window over there (laughs) like it was it was very obvious and very clunky and then the way that he met sheridan down below and they out and like sheridan acted dumb about like oh what are you doing here i was like come on (laughs) i must be a dumbass because i didn't catch on to that at all i was like oh i didn't even didn't even phase me went right over my head I just had a flashback to when Mike broke a window at our high school and we just walked away. There you go. You need to be more devious or have children and you'll be suspicious of everything. This is true. Do what I do. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) My notes as well. 
Oh, Franklin conveniently hears from the railroad and quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm ultimately glad that they made him responsible for like being the leader of it. And like it all, it all tracked. They did a great job of legitimizing it within the context of his character and his story and everything. I just thought the, I don't know what I was expecting with the way that it was like unveiled was really clunky and cheesy to me. I think though, that's why I, I appreciate this episode because it really seems to further the character development on several of the characters. Um, certainly, uh, you know, Talia for sure, which, you know, we've been complaining about, she hasn't had a lot to do and now she's, she's gotten a whole bunch to do in the last few episodes. Um, you know, seeing something of, uh, the possibility of a turn, you know, in the relationship between, uh, Talia and Ivanova, um, seeing Franklin do something that has some, some, uh, worth to it, not just being a creepy jerk. I think for the character building, that's particularly why I like this episode. You know, the original intent for the, the order was, uh, it was originally intended to, to air first. I think I'm getting that right. Hold on. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Basically it was a PPG shots. That's the only special yeah. effects they have here. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, for the the continuity of the show, uh, PTAN, you know, wanted them to do one more show, and uh, they wanted um, a different a different order uh, before and after a break. So JMS had to kind of change gears. But it seems like from his intent that he would have rather you know that that order have have won out, but it it didn't because of post production stuff. But I think it makes more sense the the conversation that uh, Sheridan and Talia have about, you know, possibly at least being allies. It makes that a lot, a lot more clear when you see this episode, you know, either way, you know, the continuity of the show, you know, has, has some, you know, issues here and there because of production. You hit on most of the the behind the scenes stuff there, Kevin, but it's actually a, it was a positive thing. What was happening was they were coming up to a normal break in the show run where you know it was just not sweeps or whatever it was back in the 90s but PTN saw that it was gaining viewership week after week and they did not want to lose that gain by taking a break so they asked jms to put some more episodes into the front end and what happened was soulmates didn't have as much special effects and really when we say that again it's like the ppg shots that's basically the only special effects they have in this episode but it was too much to get in there. I can still see it go a little bit both ways. Absolutely. JMS has said this should have came before soulmates, but it's still, there's some clunky dialogue in both of them that make it hard to mesh, which is why Mm. there's like five different ways you can view all this stuff. And we're going to, we're going to run into this a couple more times before it's all said and done. Nicole. One thing I thought was interesting at the end of the episode. Well, besides Talia coming to Ivanova's room and she was in silk pajamas with a drink, she took the badge off and it ended the episode with the badge and in the full scene. And then they were blurred behind it. So I thought that was maybe significant and some foreshadowing that could be to come. Um, So I just thought that was, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of point that out that I wrote that down as in big letters, Talia took off the badge OMG and highlighted it. So I know that Ivanova doesn't like telepaths. And she said, well, I have a problem with you being here with that on. And then she took it off. Um, But I almost wonder if that was like signifying something else, which I guess would be more of a question for later. But I just wanted to point that out too. that. I thought I personally thought that that was significant. She also took her gloves off. 
when she walked in. So yet again, oh snap, off saying, "Hey, being vulnerable as a telepath." And I also saw that as again the potential of the indoctrination being weeded out. Yeah, the talking to the people about their stories didn't like really play very well for most of us, but I see this as a few episodes ago she would never have done that. She would have never taken off the core emblem. She would never let her gloves off. She's starting to realize that what she's been told and trained for since she was five years old may not be everything she thought it was. And we're starting to see that bit by bit, which I think is great character development. This is uh, another one I thought, eh, do I save it for questions? But I kind of want to make sure I, I'm interpreting it right first. Is <laughs> him like Bester hearing it, right? The murderer. I, I watched this episode twice and I couldn't tell, did he hear it because he, unlike Talia, <clears throat> walks around without the filter. So he is flat out listening to people's conversations or were the rogue telepaths so mad that he had killed their friend that they were, you know, they were deliberately like, telepathically yelling at him, you know, call him a bitch as he walked by. Like I, that's the part that I was like, am I, am I interpreting this correctly? I hope it's the second, but it might've been the first. I don't think we have evidence of that in this episode, but, you know, Bester has proven that he is more than willing to read people when he shouldn't be. But the fact that they spoke to him um, telepathically, um, I think that that was really what was behind it. I don't think that that he was actively listening to anybody. They they meant for him to hear that. Gotcha. Okay. Of all the ships we and newbies have been trying to put together or talked about which ones we like. This is the one I'm here for. I will say flat out, not here for Talia and Garibaldi, even though they were married in real life. Definitely not here for Delenn cheating on Sinclair with Sheridan. Not here for any of that. I am here for, and you can take all of my money for Talia and Ivanova. And I'll stop there before I get myself in trouble. You Let's just get be... yourself in trouble? Never. <laughs> Let's be clear. I called it first. I, I am claiming all of that. Claudia actually absolutely helped you guys, but you're right. You call, you called it first. You did. Nicole? Well, speaking of shipping, I'm not sure mm. if this is one I'm ready to ship yet or not, but I thought it you was really- You guys have really... shipped everyone else in the freaking station. Go <laughs> right. for it. Well, it's because I'm still a Sinclair stan. I'm sorry. I really am. I, I will always love Sinclair. But um, So I thought it was really sweet how Delenn asked Sheridan to help her better understand what it's like to be a human and literally asked him to go to dinner with her. And then when they got to dinner, not only did she look banging, she had no idea what to do. And she was like, so what do we do? And he's like, we talk. She's like, about what? Like, I just thought it was so cute. And it was like really a wholesome kind of moment between them. And I thought, okay, I see something going here. But I also thought it really showed a different side of Delenn. Even though she is Mimbari, obviously, I feel like she's almost giving more human traits and human qualities the last couple episodes that we've seen. I mean, obviously she looks more human, but I feel like just her mannerisms, her her dealings, her uh, discussions with people, the moments with Ivanova in the last episode with her hair, like, I just feel like it's almost like she's going through puberty in front of us. Like, I don't really know how else to say it, but like, it's just really sweet and it's really wholesome. And I'm really kind of curious to see how much further this is going to develop. And I totally wrote down Sheridan called Delenn attractive OMG. And I highlighted it because I seriously, I feel like they're going to smash. I think she's going to cheat on Sinclair. They're going to get divorced. They're going to smash and they're going to have a half alien, half human baby. That's what I think is going to happen. But I'll save that for predictions. 
I um, just love the fact that <laughs> you are now saying a member of the Grey Council who literally almost wiped out oh, the no. entire human race is sweet and innocent. That's but crazy. here's the thing. I don't think she's sweet and innocent, but like just her mannerisms are like that. I think she's still truly a Membari to her core. And if she had to choose, she would choose that. But it's just kind of cute to, and kind of sweet to see the development that she's having the character development and like just the humanness that she's showing it's a really cool different side to her i am not shipping sheridan and delenn but to your point i stick with sinclair okay you have your man he literally went to your home planet he's there waiting for you don't be a hussy but i will say while it was kind of sweet i was concerned that she went through this entire transformation without seemingly knowing enough about humans or humanity or the basics like on the one hand like oh can you teach me stuff about humans i've never asked these questions i've never done this like oh okay but would you then like go through this giant transformation to become like half of another species if you didn't know everything about them that's the part that i I, it seemed for me um odds not the right word but (laughs) the only part that i was like man i I don't know if i'd have made that choice or like (laughs) without knowing exactly what was going to come out of the chrysalis the other side. <laughs> yeah, that was the part I was like, yeah. No, I will say again, big here for Delenn and those dresses anytime. But she said, oh, they said it's a head turner. I thought, yeah, I'm going to break. Yeah, I'm going to break my neck. That's for sure. See, now I get what you're saying, John, but remember too, she was hesitant to even do this. Remember in chrysalis, she went to Kosh and said, before I do this, I need to know. And Kosh did or told her something that made her do it but she was still hesitant to do this even when she went into the the chrysalis the cocoon emily the king or queen of the sinclair delin shippers go please um so i actually think it makes sense that she wouldn't know much i mean the whole point was to learn more about them and you don't know what you don't know or like you don't know to ask, you don't know to research, you don't know how to ask. So I think it kind of makes sense that she seems confused by some of it. But I was a little bit concerned with how flirty she's uh, getting with Sheridan. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm liking that. Or maybe she's allowed to have multiple husbands like the Centauri have multiple wives. Yeah, they could have husband brothers. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. But um, yeah, she yeah. looked amazing. And I thought the whole... I actually thought it was um, sweet how, you know, she just approached it like, hey, I'm trying to learn, not like being totally creepy as some of the advances have been in other episodes with other characters. Hi, Nicole, you're back. I'm back. I'm back uh, to wreak havoc. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Another thing I wanted to point out about um, just Sheridan in general in this episode, he told some quality dad jokes to Ivanova. And she yes. wanted to murder him. That was one of my favorite parts of the episode. I can't believe it took me so long to bring it up. But him telling the dad jokes and she's like, I can't believe you were married. Like It was just, it cracked me. They're like dynamic in that scene when they had to like, was it the office that they were sleeping in? Yes. Um, sure I was, yeah, I was cracking up. I was like, oh my God, she's going to murder him. Like. You know, <laughs> but his dad jokes for quality. I was like, okay, Sheridan, you got Kosh who yeah. was the best. Yeah. That one got me. It was knock, good. Knock. Yeah. 
It was so good. I loved that part. Um, but uh, and the whole rent thing, obviously, that was good, too. Um, but, yeah, I think this was a big turning point episode for Sheridan, too, because I feel like we saw a different side of him. And I am starting to like him a little bit more and more as we go. You guys were right. I'll still always be a number one Sinclair girl, but I do like Sheridan now. I don't dislike him anymore. Um, don't love him yet, but I do like him a lot better. John. Imagine what Delenn's going to say if she hears those epic dad jokes, because <clears throat> as she let us know, apparently they spend a year of their lives learning humor, which of all the things that were said on the episode, that was the one that I thought, boy, there's something I need so much more of. I need a <laughs> slice of this Minbari humor year because I have to know what they think is funny and I have to know what the hell that was all about. So I hope their sense of humor is right up in those dad joke lanes um, and, and Sheridan can really lay it on thick, but I, that's the part that I thought, oh man, if there's any behind the scenes. When she brought that up, I thought back to when Lanier and Londo hung out in that one episode. I was like, I guess Lanier skipped that year because he had no idea what he was doing. Kevin. I, I really enjoy the the stuff with Ivanova and Sheridan in this episode. I thought it it really added some some great humor throughout. Ivanova had a couple really good lines throughout that too. You know, her saying that uh, you snore. No, I don't. Well, either that or we had a hole in the hall last night because geez, you know, that, that kind of stuff is funny. Um, when when she's when she's allowed to be funny and they write her funny, uh, she pulls it off every time. And I really I really enjoy their dynamic when she can be a little bit more free to, to say what she's really thinking. Kind of like Jesse. Wow. <laughs> it's over here minding my business. Andrew. Bust out your yarn boards because... Uh-oh, here it comes. So, to, since we're, so now that we're talking about Sheridan and that little subplot with the rent, he mentions at the end there that he's got, that he decided to cut back on the, the combat budget in favor of uh, not doing the... of not paying rent. Mm -hmm. 60 bucks a month for yeah. a week. 60 bucks a week. Uh, something tells me that's not going to help once the, the shadow people start taking over and shit starts hitting the fan. How much do you think missiles and torpedoes cost? <laughs> I'm just saying, what, what, damn you, what Sheridan, for those sixty dollars! Ah, no. Or remember, Sinclair what, what cut the budget too what, already. Well, why did no, no, no? Why, why did they oh, specify whoa, whoa. that it was no, the combat no. budget? Well, they said defense. They specify. Okay, John, go for it. Well, he said readiness budget, right? So yes. I, I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying in terms of it was a nice way to sneak in a little potential foreshadowing. But to Scott's point, I will tell you, if 60 bucks stinks Babylon 5, it, it's probably deserved to go. It's got to go. I, so I already, when they were talking about charging them 30 each, on the one hand, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. The government's cheap as shit and the army is. <laughs> and on the other hand, I thought, you're really going to suss this for a rounding error? Earlier, I mentioned I liked Garibaldi. The one thing I didn't like was everybody else on the ship is breaking the rules. Franklin just has zero regard for any sort of rules. Caraboli, why did you lock them out of their rooms? Just tell them, yeah, we, you know, we're following your orders and yeah, you know, just tell them you're paying the rent. Just basically tell them to fuck off and keep going about your lives. Yeah. What I was going to say too is uh, Sinclair cut the budget as well. Remember by any means necessary, he cut the budget for the dock workers. So man, they're just cutting that readiness budget left and right. We're going to trouble. Standing by what I said. No, I'm not, I'm not knocking what you said, Andrew. I'm just saying, I hope the God that they cost a little bit more than 60 bucks well, for the weapons. Well, 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 that actually, that's kind of also a question I had was what's the conversion rate between credits oh, and oh, US God. dollars? Well, there let's go, go ahead and get out the uh, inflation calculator. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be a significant amount of money or why would be. earth bother 
going after it in the first place? Yeah, Why would they be freaking out about 30, dollars, 30 credits a month for... Because they're petty bitches. Well, and let's remember, though, I mean, and keeping in mind that Jack definitely shot Garibaldi in the back after this, but remember when that one guy had like 15,000 credits in his account and he's like, oh, that's not a big deal. So I have no idea how much credits are worth. I have no idea. I'll just say this like, now. If, if rent's only 30 credits a month, like, if that's anywhere close to a dollar, like... Well, I don't think it was the full rent. I think it was a portion of the rent. It's like the percentage that you're over your allotted oh. amount. Kevin, you were going to say something? Yeah, they, that's part of something that's talked about, you know, in Babylon 5 fandom is that, you know, there there really doesn't seem to be a, a pin down value to the credits. It's kind of like Monopoly money. I mean, it it's got a... It, it it doesn't really have a set value. It's got whatever value they need for the writing at that point. Scott, you mentioned it that episode. I remember us talking about specifically like that's how much money they're arguing over. This is a, a station that has what a quarter of a million to half a million people on it. And we're arguing over he shuffled around what it was like a thousand dollars. It was something so crazy that this yeah, this show's economics not quite lining up just yet. But that does feel like nitpicking. How much is gold press Latinum worth? How much is a uh, credit in star Wars worth? I mean, it's the, the inflation rate is plot. <laughs> so whatever they need it to be, but I think it didn't seem like much to me. I don't think it was probably much for Sheridan either. He probably gets some good Buku bucks. It was a matter of the, you know, principle. Damn it. principle. principle. It's a principle. Thank you. Yeah. I was actually wondering if the rent issue was because someone's mad at Sheridan. Like who did he piss off? For them to be nitpicking over the seven square feet and the 30 credits for him and Ivanova. Emily, it's clear you've never worked for the state. <laughs> it has nothing to do with being pissed off. It's a bureaucratic decision. Yeah, the hey. government is thirsty, okay? These guys have an extra 4% living space. Let's do the math. 4% of the rent per month is $30 a week. And, and I do get that, but I feel like... Of all the places they could have found it, like to go after those two specifically. No, no, it makes total know. sense. Because yeah. Babylon 5 is about like alien togetherness, which we know a bunch of people are against. Going after Sheridan's 30 bucks is a fucking campaign promise. Yeah, yeah. We're going to cut the budget. What To quote the almighty Dr. McCoy, the bureaucratic mentality is the only constant in the universe. <laughs> well, who would they want to put in place? Because it would have to be someone with money to cover that rent if the rents are going up. So it seems like some way to shove Sheridan out to put someone else in place, like symbolically, if you know what I mean. Like, hey, yeah. you keep him out of your apartment. And now we have someone paying all this money who now gets a better place than the dude who runs the station he's sleeping like a cat in front of his desk while somebody's got his quarter right i don't know it's just something about seemed like poor ivanova too she got dragged into that protest she's yeah. like i just want my bed i don't care i'll pay the damn money we're gonna go ahead and move into questions predictions now for those who are just joining us the newbies will give us any lingering questions or predictions they have based on what they've seen so far and they have not seen past a race through dark places once they give us those questions and predictions we will just them out the airlock and the three first ones here today myself mike and kevin will answer all those questions just so we can piss them off let's go to emily first questions and predictions i don't really know if i have too many predictions other than i want to see talia do that little mind choking of buster 
and basically kill him. You don't want her to shove a, pe- a penny through his head like uh, X-Men First Class? Yes. I mean, whatever. I just, I kind of want to see her be the one to be his demise. <laughs> Poor Kevin Bacon. Okay, Jesse, questions, predictions. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any. I'm just trying to get through this and stay awake. I'm done. You're fine. Next episode's going to be good, I promise. Good. Andrew. So uh, kind of echoing what Emily's prediction was, I said uh, Talia will kill Bester after he puts too much of his trust in her because it kind of seemed like that's where it was going at the end of this episode, like Bester fully trusts Talia, but I think Talia will kill him. Delenn and Sheridan will fall in love, but... Sinclair will appear as a guest star in a love triangle conflict will commence. Sinclair's going to be an in-law of Sheridan, huh? I mean, if it means being with Delenn, I mean... Yeah, I feel you. Uh, speaking of speaking of Delenn, uh, will we ever see her look that sexy again? That's my question. You'll have to wait two more years of viewing to find out. All right. And then, uh, final <laughs> That's what'll keep us going. No right. Googling, Andrew. No Googling. So I'm doubling down on my yard board, yard board moment. Your yard porn? Uh, what? <laughs> what kind of porn? Yard porn. What? Jesse just woke up for the first fucking time of the episode. <laughs> yard porn. Woke her up. She even shot up. She's like, what? <laughs> I need to know this. I like to learn new things. You ever look at landscaping and just... <laughs> Well, now we're talking about landscaping. See what you did, Andrew. Fuck. Let's go. Andrew, I'm begging you. Come on. Doubling down on my yarn boarding moment. Uh, Sheridan prioritizing his own comfort and pride. The rent situation will put Babylon 5 at a greater disadvantage when the Great War happens. I finally just got what yarn boarding was just then. The light bulb popped up. Thank you. I got it. Okay. I think you're confused with yarn boarding or yarn boarding. Hey, or yarn porn. We, don't, we, we do not want to get sued by Pornhub. We came close. So there's no uh-huh. yarn hub. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. boarding uh, is something completely different. It is. <laughs> He's got, you know, washboard abs. So it all works out. John. Questions and predictions. The sass with which Andrew put his hand his on his chin. Everybody said that. It was my favorite part of this episode so far. And no one will be able to see it. But all right, questions. So I have a couple of Mimbari and I have a couple of Besters. Uh, so Mimbari, I asked it before. I would love to see what that year of humor entails. Uh, I would also love to see what a Mimbari diet looks like and consists of because they had dinner. Obviously, she was trying to eat human things, but... Got me thinking again about the different species diets and what they eat for Bester. So you already said he's coming back. So when he comes back, is anyone going to ask him why he's got this Bob Dole thing going on with his left hand? You want to know the actual answer to it? Yes. Not, not in universe. I'm not going to give you that answer, but it was a decision made by Walter Koenig in the first time he was on the episode uh, and on mind war, he decided he wanted to act a physical impairment that Bester had. And so it was oh. not in the script. It was a decision by Walter and he started acting with his fist clenched and he's continuing to do that. Now in universe, there is an answer. I'm not going to give it to you, but that's what it is. Okay. So, so it's the legit question. They will address. It. Okay. I'll uh, address him beyond the rim just for you, John. <laughs> uh, okay. The other Bester question, who the hell would marry Bester? Is he lying about having a wife and kid? Uh, that his family, the thing he said to make himself less of a psychopath to Garibaldi, I just flat out am not buying it. I will. Did he say they weren't locked in his basement? 
<laughs> we do know and we do know from Psychor, we knew this like two episodes ago. If there's a DNA match, it doesn't matter if you're in love or not. So is that an answer or is it something you will talk about? I mean, is this does it come up? Absolutely talk about it as soon as I kick you off the show. God, I hate this show so much. You know, I actually thought that was a <laughs> that was a good callback between the one uh rogue telepaths telling her story to Talia and then Talia's mm-hmm. own experience with her yeah. ex-husband. That's true. Are you saying it was a good callback by me mentioning it or a good callback literally from the show? From no, the show. John. <laughs> the world does not revolve around you, John. Sorry. <laughs> what? All praise to JMS. <laughs> uh, okay. And then predictions. Um, so it was nice to see another Mars shout out, right? So we know they have that um, secret facility there. So my prediction is we'll see more of that. That will become more of a... Uh, a focal point um, here. I know we keep looking at the big shadow war, which I obviously think is coming, but I think that Mars element is still there and still cranking out heat. So excited to see that. Nicole questions, predictions. So questions, prediction slash question, Sheridan and Delenn, are they, or aren't they, are they going to become a thing? Question wise, obviously I know we're going to see Bester again is, um, this underground railroad thing going to come up again at a different area or is this plotline ended? How many more rogue telepaths are out there and what are they conspiring? Because clearly there there's a group of them that are trying to move on. Remember, Franklin said it's too hot on B5 now. Yeah. So just remember that. Uh, predictions, almost prediction slash question. I feel like Talia is like on her way out. Like Talia is not going to be able to stay at Babylon 5 any much, much longer. Um, so question, is she going to leave? Prediction, I think she's going to leave. Like, I do think it's going to happen, but I also don't know. So it's also a question. I wonder if Franklin is potentially going to be leaving too, because Franklin keeps getting himself into some hot water. So I'm almost wondering if maybe like this episode is like the beginning of their leaving. Trying to call the herd, are you? Well, no, I don't want anyone to leave, but I just feel like I just get this gut feeling that like at least one of them is going to leave. And I'm thinking more Talia than it is Franklin. I don't want either of them to leave. And Justin, questions, predictions. The main question I have is if Bester's Martian, who does he remain loyal to? And then is Bester if, Martian? Well, because he was on Mars, right? I've been to Florida, but I'm definitely not a Floridian. It's interesting that but, you made that connection. Well, I just kind of figured that Bester might have been Martian, but that's the main question that I had. If, if Bester was Martian, who who would he be eventually loyal to? Would he be you know loyal to Earth or would he be loyal to Mars? That's my only thing. Cool. We'll go ahead and end it there for the newbies. Again, we will have them leave us in a moment. And for those who have seen the whole show or don't care about spoilers, we will come back after the credits and answer these questions and predictions for them. And then next week... We're going to be dealing with the Hugo Award-winning episode, The Coming of Shadows. And for those who are sci-fi nerds, a Hugo Award ain't a small thing. So hopefully <laughs> you all like the next episode. We'll, we'll see next week. So until next week, I have been Scott, and with me has been... Justin. Emily. Nicole. Jesse. Andrew. John. Kevin. And Mike. And we will see you all next week, unless you are going to stick around for Beyond the Rim, and we'll see you in a few moments. Peace out, bitches. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast. 
We want to hear from you, so please join the discussion on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. Again, final warning. If you have not watched past A Race Through Dark Places, you should exit now because we will be spoiling what happens afterwards, even though our guys did not have exactly uh, a lot to ask about in this episode. And with me for Beyond the Rim is Mike and Kevin. Blake is on sabbatical. He will be returning to us shortly. So first question, guys, what does the year of humor that the Mimbari experience look like? And what is an Anbari diet consist of? I have no clue. So if you guys can answer that, feel free. I don't, but I would actually really enjoy watching a show in which a human brings some alien along through all the weirdest corners of like human delicacy. (laughs) (laughs) I think the only, the only window into any of this that we have is that there's an episode later on, uh, where, uh, Sheridan is having a ritualistic meal with Delenn and uh, Lanier. Mm. Um, And so you get a little window of their, of their diet there, but it's uh, you know, there, there's some ritualistic elements. Of course they're in the religious cast. So that shouldn't be a a surprise to anybody, but that's about it. I mean, you don't, you don't get much of a sense for the, for either of those questions really. She actually really pigs out when she's watching Sheridan sleep three times. <laughs> what is with Bester's hand? Um, I think you kind of answered that. Yeah, well, I answered the, the meta reason. It, it's Walter Koenig decided. Now, it is never answered in the show, although he does keep his hand clenched all the way through season five. In the novels, there is a telepath trilogy. And in the last novel, just before Bester is going to die, his hand relaxes. And from my understanding, I have not read the novels, so everyone can tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. But my understanding is, much like everyone else in Psychor, Bester was indoctrinated. He actually was the child of two revolutionary telepaths. And when the revolutionary telepaths were killed, he was adopted by the leader of the Psychor and made into his little underling. So the idea there in beta canon this is not talked about at all in the show is that is his other personality and when his other personality bubbles up to the surface just before he's about to die his hand relaxes and he becomes Hmm. not bester anymore who the hell would marry bester well he was not lying about having a family he does actually have a wife and children and he also has concubines (laughs) yes and he also has some ladies on the side that we will see later in the series uh Mm -hmm. who um like to moonlight as uh shadow batteries yeah right exactly thank you that's a perfect way to put it (laughs) Well, the other one, too, as much as these guys think Franklin's creepy, 
the creepiest episode with Bester is when we are at Psychor and he is absolutely trying to get with one of his students the entire episode. It is so creepy. And it just tells you how much Bester uses his power to advance what he feels is complete, making more telepaths. And that's, I kind of mentioned that a little bit here and you'll get it more as we go along. Bester feels he's the hero. He's here to save the telepath race. So if that means he's got to bone every telepath in the existence and make more P12s, you're going to do it. Uh, Justin asked, is Bester a Martian? No. And he's... so, yeah. Yeah, and again, we don't ever get told this, I believe, in the show, but in the books, it is made very clear that he is an Earthling. Well, and he does bring up a uh, an interesting point here without really knowing it. You know, where is his true loyalty lie? Is mm-hmm. it to Psychor? Is it to uh, the, you know, and somebody that he loves? Is it, you know, is it to Earth? And you find out later in the series that it's to the, the lady that is really the only person he's ever loved, according to him. Yep. But we, I, I think even in that episode, I haven't watched it in a bit. I actually talked about this episode with the Yum Yum guys, so I've watched it more, more recently than others. It's even questioned in the episode, was that Bester just bullshitting everybody, or was that real? Sure. <laughs> I mean, well, you never really know with Bester, do you? That's true. <laughs> Which is why the character is, is such an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Sheridan and Delenn, uh, are they going to be a thing? Yes. <laughs> How many more? Yep. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's, uh, will Dylan ever look sexy again? Is the other question that goes along that. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. But yeah, no, I mean, um, it's, it's clear that JMS is trying to move past the Sinclair stuff very quickly here. Uh, he is definitely foreshadowing that there is a connection here. Uh, he, and you know what? The great thing about this for me personally is I think Box Lightner and Furlong have, great chemistry like that little bit in the hallway where uh sheridan's just kind of dumbfounded like what the hell just happened that I, that's great uh, that line shooting at you one day and taking you out to dinner the next what a <laughs> <Yeah>. galaxy <laughs> oh shucks <laughs> he just needed to pull out his corn cob pipe at the end and i love sheridan <laughs> or, or the moment he's like you know they they think i'm an intelligent human being and i think i like that a lot so moving right along we have uh how many more rogue telepaths are out there and will they come back to the show wait for season five children although i will say i thought for sure and i may have actually said this in beyond the rim and i i misspoke i thought for sure we were going to get that same lurker in season five i thought for sure he's in season five i just looked he's only in these two episodes so he does not return but for some reason i remember him in season five maybe because i was just trying to ignore byron (laughs) as far as predictions go we will see more of the mar storyline yes we will yep and i think the newbies are definitely seeing here that there are two different fronts. And of course, as we know, the fronts are actually mingled together because the shadows are just fucking with everybody. But we're going to get the Earth conflict. We're also going to get the shadow conflict. And part of the Earth conflict is going to be Mars's independence. And mm-hmm. yeah. So Delenn will cheat on Sinclair and she and Sheridan will smash and have a half human baby. All of this is true. Except that Sinclair and Delenn are not actually married, and that's a red herring. That is a remnant from a storyline that did not exist, and one of these days, when I edit our discussion of the original plan, we will talk about that. I'm going to say, remind me again, uh, they're going to have a child. He's going to (laughs) be... His name's going to be David. 
That's right. David the man child. Oh, that was the original plan. Yes. Yeah, David yeah. the man child who will get advanced in age quickly so we can have him be a character. Oh God. Actually, JMS brought up David a few days ago on Twitter as we're recording this. Cause somebody asked, did we ever get to see David and JMS? I don't have the tweet in front of me. Basically said it was intentional that you didn't see him. And even in the lost tales, he's just mentioned basically because he doesn't matter to the story. Talia is on her way out and won't be able to stay much longer on the station. That is true. Yeah. This is true. We have our first uh, time when I think someone might, uh, other than Justin might be cheating. I mean. Yeah, she even tried to play it off. I don't know. That's true. Uh-huh, Nicole. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, what, what What did you see about Lita that made you think that, uh, <laughs> you know, that Talia was going to be leaving the show? Come on. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I'm still looking forward to divided loyalties to see how many of these guys are actually surprised when it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that having Talia in several episodes here back to back make you care about her more. Yeah. So when she does go, it's not going to be as abrupt, but we'll see how many of them are shocked by it or not. Uh, Franklin will also be leaving because no, he's just going to do drugs in hot water. No, he's just going to do drugs. I mean, he goes on walkabout eventually, so technically he does leave, but <laughs> not in the way they're thinking. He also goes to Mars with uh, Marcus, right. speaking of the Mars storyline. This is the first part where I think Franklin actually starts getting something to do, and it's not surprising to me that this is a JMS story, and we are about less than two additional episodes or maybe three written by somebody else before JMS writes everything except for one more story. So I think we're going to start seeing a lot more character development for Franklin and everybody else except Talia. Do either one of you have any idea for when you know they may have decided you know that um, Andrew Thompson was going to be leaving this show. I know that it was mostly her wanting to leave, but it didn't seem from this episode that she, uh, you know, the plan was for her to leave yet. And I'm, I'm wondering if that probably came much later in the season. No, I think from what I remember reading, it was decided by this point. I don't think JMS oh, okay. actually came out and said somebody's leaving the show, but uh, it was fairly clear that those two were not getting along. Mm. And JMS tried to be professional about it in the Usenets as much as he could be, but you can just read through what he's saying that he was not happy with how Andrea was handling things. He basically disputed everything that she said. So what she will say, and I'm sure we'll get into this more when we get to Divided Loyalties, she said that she had been contracted for 13 episodes and she was upset that she was keeping herself from going to other gigs because she thought she had 13 episodes coming and she only got eight. And so she was upset she didn't get enough to do. JMS did point out that even Londo and Jakar, Peter and Andreas, only get eight episodes in season one and season two, even though they have a 13 episode contract. They don't become full regulars, much like Box Lightner and Christian, until season three. So he basically said if Andrea has an issue, Peter and Andrea should have an issue too, because all of them got less than their contract. And then he also said, oh, by the way, she still got paid for 13 episodes, even though she wasn't in 13, because that was part of the contract. So he was not happy with her to begin with. And I'm fairly sure at this point, I don't have proof of this. I I think she's out the door. 
mm-hmm. and he's working on going out the door. That's my assumption. There's no love lost between those two. I can't remember who, but somebody wanted to see Talia do the psychic choke of Bester and <laughs> kill him. Uh, unfortunately, that does not happen, although I wouldn't mind have, having seen that either. But uh, at least later in the series, because I want to see a lot more Bester first. One of the darkest things Bester ever does is when he's asked about Talia and he says her dissection and he stopped before he gets to the full dissection word. Oh, yeah. That's that's dark. So Talia's not going to kill Bester. Bester's going to have her dissected. The end. And then on a separate note, Delenn and Sheridan will have a relationship, but will create a love triangle with Sinclair. Mm, the no. one who was, the one who is, and the one who will be. They are all one, but not sexually. Yeah. Sorry. Technically, Sinclair is Delenn's great, 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 Ew. Ew. <laughs> and finally, uh, Sheridan giving away money or rent will create a, an issue for defense in the Shadow War. Tell mm. me you've never worked for bureaucracy without yeah. telling me you've never worked for bureaucracy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that $30 a week, like you said, Scott, is chump change. Of all the times I was told working for state government that I had to buy my own damn pens. <laughs> I'm just not surprised by this at all. Yeah. Uh, that's why we don't see Keffer nearly enough. He can't afford to come out of his quarters and fly his Viper. <laughs> Viper? Sorry. Ah, <laughs> just like, you can send your buzzer? email to gray17podcast yeah. at gmail.com. Star Fury. <laughs> Mike, I think you had something you wanted to bring up that you, you didn't talk about in the main episode. Yeah, I guess I, I feel remiss that we... We mentioned it, kind of glossed over how poignant it was it, when when uh, Sheridan is is discussing with the others, you know, where they kind of stand, how they feel about Psychor, and mm-hmm. you know, basically, it, the, the short summary being, you know, that Psychor exists because they people were afraid of telepaths and they let their fear, you know, run wild to where we pushed all this, the the telepaths into a box, and eventually it became something even worse mm-hmm. and you know it's it's one of those moments where you know that's just as poignant today with yes. what's going on in, in our current political climate as it was you know 30 years ago about you know who knows what right and and who and, and how relevant it was to jms's history you know his family history with the nazis so i i just felt like it was kind of a disservice uh that, that we blew through that so quickly without without uh, giving it some attention because it's a really good speech and it's a very impactful statement. The, the, the one that I will say is, again, on a rewatch, we're seeing a lot of times where Sheridan is feeling out the crew. And yes, he's being the hunky-dory goofball, but his whole mission there by General, General Haig is to determine their loyalties. And it's not, are they loyal to Clark? It's, are they loyal to Earth? Yes or no? And that's his job is to figure that out. So it's interesting when he starts talking about Psychor and all of this, and like an earlier episode where he said he trusts people, but not organizations and things like that. He is feeling people out as he goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to the episode that uh, General Haig pops on. Cause not only is Robert Foxworth a great uh, actor, but that, that piece of this season seeing what Sheridan has been up to will be very interesting to the newbies. I think coming up pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah. It's three episodes. We got, Uh, we got the big one 
that we're that we're doing coming of shadows and then gropos and then all alone in the night this is the beginning of full steam ahead i'm looking forward to seeing how the newbies react to coming of shadows especially since they really enjoyed sides and portents i'm looking forward to it yeah for sure okay guys that's gonna wrap it up for beyond the rim for this one i guarantee you it's gonna be a little longer next week so until next week when we talk about one of the highest rated episodes in babylon 5 history the coming of shadows i'm scott and with me has been kevin and mike and don't forget to hit that subscribe button on youtube so you can be entered into the contest to win my kosh and i know that sounds dirty (laughs) if you want to touch scott's kosh oh god i technically have three koshes right now (laughs) yeah he looks very statuesque. Well, he has no legs. I was going to say, does he actually have arms no, and legs? No, he's, he's a solid piece of plastic. Wow. <laughs> the only thing that moves on Skosh is his, is his head. Does it extend? No. What a, what a cheap <laughs> ass toy. Knock, knock. Who's there? Kosh. Kosh who? Gesundheit. <laughs> I thought that was good. How many Minbari does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know, sir. How many Minbari does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They always surrender right before they finish the job, and they never tell you why.